0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Dynasty Degenerates podcast. You may recognize a different voice bringing you in. Jared is out this week. He's got commitments at work, but we know you wanted a show and we know you wanted good information. So I'm your host, Mark Leopold. And more importantly, I have a special guest with me here today. He is a senior writer at Gridiron Experts. He is the host of the FF Face Off podcast. He is Anthony Servino, the one, the only, and you can find him over on Twitter at the Real NFL Guru, Anthony. Thank you for being here. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we know you got a lot of great content. Uh, you're doing all kinds of stuff with the fantasy football world. So, uh, really glad to have you on. Uh, we're wrapping up our mini series here for free agency. Jared and I covered running backs and wide receivers. I uh, wanted to put together quarterbacks and tight ends since there's not as many names of interest, uh, so hopefully we can get through these. We do have some interesting names. nobody quite like Kirk Cousins of last year for quarterbacks um and tight ends. we got a couple of decent names here, but no real you know major signings. so uh, kind of a down year for free agency. I think what was your take generally speaking on the classes as a whole? Did you like it? Did you think we can find some value there?
1: You're talking about free agency, yeah. I thought that um, it was as expected. I think there are still some players. I mean, like look at today with TJ Yeldon. He was a player who I thought would have landed in a pretty good landing spot. And I like the Bills. I think I would have liked Tampa Bay a little bit more considering Bruce Arians needs a running back who can catch the ball. But, you know, TJ Yeldon, a player of his caliber, he's a very good uh, in the pass blocking Uh, skill set. He's a very good receiver out of the backfield. And anytime you have that combination, they usually find themselves in a good spot in terms of playing time. You know, they have LaShawn McCoy. He's 30 years old. Gore's 35. They got rid of, uh, Chris Ivory. So yeah, Yeldon should have a pretty good fantasy role in PPR.
0: Yep. Yeldon is just one of those signings that kind of flew under the radar, probably in a lot of people's minds, but he could have a nice little role. I was hoping he would go to Tampa as well. Uh, But I think that kind of headlines how this this class of free agency went last year. We had a lot of big name wide receivers in particular Uh, this year. It was kind of Le'Veon Bell and then, you know, a bunch of kind of mid range guys that might carve out a role, but we weren't really star studded the way we were last
1: year. No, absolutely not. I mean, there was Mark Ingram, but 29-year-old back, you know, in Baltimore. He's going to have a big role, but they also have Gus Edwards. And, you know, they're still in a running back market. I think they need a more capable receiving back because you can't yep. trust Kenneth Dixon.
0: <laughs> I wish we could. I wish we could. Um, all right. So let's jump into quarterbacks here. Um, like I said, not really a super strong class. No real of the way we had Kirk Cousins. But the big one is obviously Nick Foles. Uh, he's going to be entering his age 30 season. So still plenty of years left if he wants it he signed a four year deal for $88 million with the Jaguars. Uh, so we should see him around for at least the next few years. Uh, Anthony, what's your take on this? Do you think Nick Foles is better off in Jacksonville than he was in Philadelphia? Um, and how do you think this impacts wide receivers?
1: Nick Foles. What we know from Nick Foles, we know that he can play well and lead a team to a run to the playoffs. My biggest question about Nick Foles is can he play from weeks, you know, one to ten? Yep. And I understand the allure with Jacksonville. Uh, Blake Bortles got them or helped get them to a AFC championship game, so the figure is, hey – You know, he's going to go there and they can replicate it because he's an upgrade from Bortles, presumably. Uh, From a fantasy football perspective, I think it does help Jacksonville pass catchers. But the biggest factor in how any of them are going to perform is Leonard Fournette. When we don't know Leonard Fournette's status with the Jaguars right now, we know he has a lot of... Red flags, whether it's good or bad, some of the incidents were more uh, impactful than others. I hear that Jacksonville, they don't view his recent arrest as a big red flag, but it's still a red flag and a really checkered past of red flags in Jacksonville. If Leonard Fournette can be on the field and, and get his mind into football, then I think this Jacksonville team and Nick Bowles and the receivers are going to flourish. But if they can't get a running game going, then I don't know if things are going to be all well and good with the Jaguars.
0: Yeah, I think I generally agree with you. I think the offense will be good. I think it's a decent situation for Nick Foles. I mean, I say good, I mean middle of the pack, but that's definitely an upgrade from where they were with Blake Bortles. So I think there's going to be fantasy value to be had, but I think Jacksonville fans in particular are are kind of misevaluating the situation. That team's really not built to be a true contender at this point. The defense has degraded some since that run with Blake Bortles. Um, As you said, there are a couple other question marks on the offense outside of now quarterback. Uh, they don't really have any true alpha receiver. They've got a lot of guys sort of like the New York Jets had last year that can play roles, and I'm sure we'll see some step up this year. Uh, but there are definitely more question marks than I think a lot of people are willing to admit. So I'm a little bit lukewarm on the situation, but I still think it's a move up for Foles from his uh, Philadelphia days. Uh How about Teddy Bridgewater? He's the next one here. I'm just going by average annual value of the contract. Uh, So obviously, he's not going to be a starter this year. And he's only on a one year deal. So who knows exactly where that'll lead. Uh, So I guess the real question is, Anthony, do you have any interest in stashing him in Dynasty still? Or have we seen him off the field for too long, not in a starting role that you're ready to cut
1: bait? I've been ready to cup bait on Teddy Bridgewater, and I get that a lot of the allure, and this might be the most popular uh, narrative, but I believe that a lot of the allure of Teddy Bridgewater was the story. That, you know, he had such a gruesome injury, and, you know, he was pretty good with Minnesota, and it would be a really nice story if he signed somewhere and rejuvenated his career. So I never really bought into the whole Disney ending. And if Teddy Bridgewater was going to be developing into anything, I think he would have taken the job elsewhere. Right now he's waiting for a possible job if, when Drew Brees retires.
0: Right. Which could be next year or it could be five years from now. I'd Brees... rather
1: hold on to Jacoby Brissett
0: right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, Drew Brees is still playing arguably just about his best football of his career. So – uh, I'm not one that's forecasting an imminent retirement, so I'm definitely with you there. Uh, the only reason I could see holding on to him is if you're hoping Drew Brees retires, it has to be a two-quarterback league. It has to be a deep, uh, you know, probably 30, 35-plus rosters. But uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I would, I would say, is one of the higher upside backups because he does have that dual threat ability. Um, so I definitely see the appeal. I like the story, but even besides that, you know he can definitely deliver fantasy value, especially with that Saints offense around him. Uh, but you're like you said, the big question is, will he ever actually start?
1: You know, you know who I, I just drafted. Uh, was it in? I don't know if uh, you're in the league or not. With uh, it's I think Matt Hicks uh, puts it on, but I just drafted Nate Sudfeld because of Wentz. You know that's who I'm looking at right now. He's more
0: likely to play. I mean, right. There's no doubt about that. So I I don't disagree with that. I would say I think Bridgewater has more upside if he plays, but just the odds of him playing are so much lower that I don't have a problem with that at all. All right, next guy here Ryan Fitzpatrick, who signed for less on an annual basis than Bridgewater two years, eleven million dollars with the Dolphins. Uh, the upside, obviously, he's going to come in and start right away. Uh, he's got a couple of pieces around him on offense, but I think we need to be honest here and say that Miami's one of the offenses is definitely lacking weapons. You know, relative to other teams in the league, they've got to be near the bottom of that list. Uh, So, Anthony, anything you see here that you like about Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami, or are you staying away?
1: I think there's some intrigue with Fitzpatrick because we've seen him put up the big numbers in fantasy, whether it was the Jets, whether it was, you know, last year. But at some point, the Fitz magic runs out. I don't know if I'm taking him in any type of redraft league. But if you're in a two quarterback league of any sorts, yeah, I'm seriously considering uh, Fitzpatrick at least as my quarterback three.
0: Yeah, I mean, once you're in, if you're in a two quarterback league, even in a redraft context, uh, once you get down to, you know, everybody has their two quarterbacks. If, assuming it's a 12 team league, that's 24, and so by the time everyone takes a third, you're talking 36 quarterbacks, which is more than the number of starters. And the one nice thing about Fitzpatrick is he has job security. You can be pretty confident that he's going to start all year. And in a two-quarterback league, that has a value alone because otherwise you might be taking a shot on a guy like Tyrod Taylor from last year who goes out and plays two or three weeks and then gets benched. Uh, So Fitzpatrick definitely has that allure in two-quarterback leagues for redraft purposes. But in dynasty context, it's absolutely the same thing. You'll have him on your team as your quarterback three, but you know he's got a job. Uh, For me – I don't really care so much about Fitzpatrick, but I think this is actually not a bad move for Kenny Stills because we know Fitzpatrick is willing to just throw it deep with no regard for potentially throwing interceptions. So for the wide receiver that doesn't get penalized for interceptions, especially uh, the primary deep threat on the team, I like this move for for Kenny Stills. I think we could see him deliver wide receiver three value this year.
1: Yeah, Stills hey. is one of them. I, I feel like he burned me a little bit too much. I was <laughs> really high on
0: Stills last year. Oh, uh, Me too.
1: You know, last year, uh, in terms of ADP and drafts, like Stills, there was Alan Hearns. There was a night, you know, Marquise Goodwin. They were all falling around like the ninth round and people were jumping all over them and none of them really panned out.
0: Yeah, I had a lot of guys like that too. That Goodwin
1: I was, I was high on.
0: Forget about it. I was even taking Kelvin Benjamin after that because I figured he'd just get enough targets. But, yeah, there were a lot of guys like that last year that you figured would get plenty of targets and just didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, so next guy here, Tyron Taylor, guy that I have been on the bandwagon for for way too long. You and Uh, he both. Yeah, right. He also signs a two-year $11 million deal, which is not bad. Uh, He signs with the Chargers, so there's some potential there if they like what they see. You know, maybe Phil Rivers hangs it up in a couple of years. So, uh, are you holding on for dynasty, hoping that we'll see him take take the reins from Philip Rivers?
1: I'm holding on, I guess, but I don't know if he's ever going to replace Philip Rivers, except if he's injured and Philip Rivers doesn't miss any time. But I think I would just hold on the tie rod because he is a capable NFL starter, and because he's put up what was he a QB six at one time? Oh, yeah. That one year, he put up top ten numbers. Yep, he's been a quarterback one and, in his career. And there's no guarantee the Chargers will hold him if they can get, you know, if somebody throws picks at him if they need a quarterback. Tyrod's that guy who could get <laughs> traded immediately and start. Yeah, I like that
0: take. It, I'm the only reason I would be holding him is hoping that Philip Rivers retires, but that costs you a bench spot, which is valuable. Uh, that's a good point though that he might be able to get traded mid season. He's on a relatively cheap deal, so if somebody does have a quarterback go down, uh, he could be one of those premier options to try to trade for midseason. So I like that. I think Tyrod would honestly be a you know a bad thing if Phil Rivers does miss time for all the receivers there because he does run more than Rivers does. So. I
1: mean, think about if Lamar Jackson went down, wouldn't Baltimore that was it? That was their guy. You know, Tyrod, be I believe, started in Baltimore. They could They could throw a six-round pick and get Tyrod back and not be on the hook for a lot of money either if Lamar Jackson went down, even Deshaun Watson.
0: Yeah, that would be perfect. I mean, I like Tyrod, and then the question there is if he goes to another team, I think he hurts the offense for fantasy purposes around him. But, yeah, I, I do like him, so I'm still willing to hold uh last couple guys here probably nobody of real interest AJ McCarron signed a one-year three million dollar deal with Houston so if Deshaun Watson goes down potentially he could have some value because there are enough weapons on that offense that you don't need an all-star quarterback to deliver some value any interest in McCarron at all obviously only in two quarterback leagues
1: not even Not even, I don't even think I, I don't even think they're
0: yep same no interest for me either. I just don't bet on injuries, um, unless it's a guy like Jordan Reed, Tyler Eifert, that you can feel pretty confident he'll probably get hurt at some point. But Deshaun is not one of those guys, so I'm not willing to hold a guy on my bench, burn a bench spot, just hoping that somebody gets hurt. Um, similar question here. Robert Griffin pretty much only potentially has value if Lamar Jackson goes down. Uh, he's on a two-year deal with Baltimore, probably as the backup the whole time. Any interest there? Slim. Yeah, not, none for me. Um, and last one, Blake Bortles, one-year deal to be the backup to Jared Goff at the Rams. This is the only one I might have interest in just because the Rams have such a strong offense that they could probably even make Blake Bortles look good. Uh, but, again, I'm not willing to bet on a Goff injury. So, for that reason, I'm out. What do you think? Um, Are you with me on that?
1: I get the allure holding Bortles. He's 26. He was a former top-five pick uh he's only on a one-year deal so that means he could end up a starter next year right so i probably have uh the most uh, of mccarron griffin and bridgewater i would probably put tyrod and bortles on the top of my list
0: yeah i would agree bortles definitely has more appeal for that long term uh definitely no interest for me this season but if you're still holding him especially in a two quarterback league there's a chance he goes somewhere else next year. So I like that take and I would be willing to hold him for that reason. All right. Anything else on uh, quarterbacks or all good?
1: No, I think we can move on from uh, from quarterback.
0: All right, good. Tight end is more interesting. Anyway, we got a good list here. Uh, Obviously headlined by a guy that I think will have some fantasy value. That's Jared cook. He signed a two year deal, two year, $15 million with the saints. Uh, He's only 31. So he's still probably got a couple of years left. Um, I don't know how many, but you know two years I think is about a good a good amount to to forecast the rest of his career at least as a fantasy asset and the Saints obviously a prime landing spot for a tight end since they didn't have anybody of consequence, and they don't really have a third wide receiver that's stealing a bunch of targets, so it's kind of Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Jared Cook could potentially be the third target on that team. What do you think
1: No, I think we share a brain there. Um, Jared Cook is probably the best uh, tight end since Ben Watson's first stay in New Orleans. If you remember when he first got there, I'm talking about maybe three, four years ago, he had that big year. Absolutely. And then he ends up in Baltimore, comes back last year, disappoints. I think Jared Cook is the best tight end they've had since him and possibly the best since Jimmy Graham. I think Jared Cook's going to have a pretty good year this year.
0: Yeah, I I think he's better than Ben Watson's first day. That's not to necessarily say he'll have a better fantasy season than Ben Watson, Uh, but Jared Cook obviously showed that he can get it done with Oakland, Uh, and that was potentially just due to lack of other targets, but at the same time, it should be more efficient with New Orleans. If you
1: think about Jared Cook, when he went to the Packers, I was low on him because, for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy's system – didn't utilize the tight end. And we saw that with Jared Cook, Martellus Bennett, and Jimmy Graham to an extent last year. But now you have Jared Cook with Drew Brees, somebody who has featured the tight end before. I have a little bit more faith in Jared Cook.
0: So for a redraft purposes, do you think he's a top-half tight end one? Is he in your top six? No. Okay. I think for me he's probably not far off. But he's probably just outside, you know, probably in that seven to nine range. I don't have rankings, but just kind of off the top of my head, I I would take him as a tight end one easily, but not a top end tight end one.
1: I think I have him ranked between nine and 12 right now. I don't have my rankings in front of me, but yeah. as far as top six, it's, the, you know, it's Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, you know, the top, you know, uh, Kittle.
0: Right. Kittle, Kelsey, Ertz.
1: Yes. So that's, that's a stat. I mean, there's a good eight tight ends before I can put Jared cook there.
0: Yeah. I think he, I would definitely have Hunter Henry, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram. So I think he's outside the top six. Ebron? Company. We
1: haven't mentioned Ebron.
0: Yeah. Well, That's probably a conversation for another day. <laughs> uh, all right. I think we're about on the same page with Jared cook, though. Kind of back end tight end one with definitely some upside. Uh, Jesse James is the next guy on the list. He got paid. He signed a four-year, $28 million deal with Detroit. Another one of those prime landing spots for tight ends, as far as I'm concerned, because they didn't have one. Uh, they only really have Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, as far as wide receivers go. And they don't really have a running back that they throw to a ton. So I think this is a great spot for a tight end to land. And Jesse James, only 24 years old, you know, still not necessarily entering his prime even. So a lot of good years left ahead, potentially.
1: I think this is a tight end. I would take a gamble on just because uh, he has proved he had fantasy value, especially red zone touchdown upside in Pittsburgh. Uh, I I rolled the dice on Luke Wilson last year oh, because you know when Ebron was in Detroit, he had plenty of targets and opportunity. He just for whatever reason didn't have that rapport with. Matthew Stafford, he had quite a few drops. So, yeah, of course, a player like uh, Jesse James to the Lions is very alluring. You know, Matt Patricia comes from that Patriot system that featured the tight end. So, yeah, the allure is there. But if the Lions went ahead and drafted a tight end, one of these really young upside tight ends in the draft, then I think all the allure of Jesse James goes down the drain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I think, though, is that contract – probably insulates him from getting vaporized by like TJ Hawkinson or even Noah fan. You know, I don't think they would spend a round one or high round two pick after signing into basically $7 million a year, which isn't huge money, but it's also not chump change. So I'm feeling decent about James right now. I'd like to have him as my tight end three. I feel pretty good with that. I think if he's my tight end 2 um, I'm feeling a little risky because there is still a chance that he does get beat out before the start of the season. Next guy here is Tyler Croft. He ends up signing a three-year, essentially $19 million deal with Buffalo. Uh, I think one of the worst landing spots for a tight end, just based on the the system they have there being run heavy, Josh Allen not necessarily throwing the short and intermediate balls very well. I think this is one of the worst spots for a tight end to land based on kind of the utilization and how that fits with the offense. Um, Are you with me there? Are you – Low on Tyler Croft to Buffalo, or is there something there that you think I'm missing?
1: I actually don't mind the move. I think a need for a tight end is there because Charles Clay, I I think he could have been more of the reason why uh, tight ends in Buffalo struggled more than anything else. I think Josh Allen needs that safety blanket that usually comes in the form of tight end. Tyler Croft. If you remember the year, I think it was two years ago, he had quite a few touchdowns in the red zone when Tyler Eifert went down. He kind of does remind me of Eifert a little bit. The issue with Croft is I think Buffalo likes uh, Kroom a lot, who played seemed to play ahead of Charles Clay a little bit last year.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jason Kroom did have a couple of strong games down the stretch. My bigger concern personally is Cole Beasley, who they just signed this offseason as well. Um, because they should generally be running routes in the similar areas of the field, right. across the middle, right. short intermediate routes. But I but Cole Beasley's just better at it. Uh, he's he's an underrated slot receiver and he's gonna be able to separate much better. I could definitely see Tyler Croft being a nice red zone weapon, but at that point you're talking about a tight end who could give you, you know, three for thirty or three for thirty in a touchdown. Like
1: Cameron Braith.
0: Yeah. Or, well, I don't even know if we can go as as high as Cameron Braid because I just don't think the offense will score as much. So he might be kind of a lesser version of Cameron Braid in my mind. Um, And his former teammate here, CJ Uzama, signs a three-year deal to stay with the Bengals. Uh, He got paid $18 million, so that's pretty good for him for a guy that hasn't really been a featured option over the last several years. Uh, He's also only 26, same age as Tyler Croft, so right in his what should be his prime years. Uh, Anthony, any interest in Uzoma, knowing that they also brought back Tyler Eifert, who we'll touch on later?
1: Yeah, um, minimal on Uzoma. I actually, uh, we did a uh, our final mock draft today, and with the way it fell out, we had Cincinnati taking one of those young tight ends, uh, Hawkinson. I could see it. Yeah, that, that's not a bad move at all. Because if you look at their offense, their one hole at pass catcher is the uncertainty at tight end. And when Andy Dalton had a healthy uh, Tyler Eifert, he's been productive. Andy so Dalton has a top five piece. season. He does.
0: Yeah, he's, Actually, he's not just you, productive.
1: If you look at uh, Andy Dalton's first three years and you look at Jared Goff's, looks very similar.
0: Yeah. Uh, that seems like so long ago, but there was a time where, except that he didn't play right at the end of the season, Andy Dalton was on pace for a top-five quarterback season. Yeah. and I think I agree with you. It was largely driven by having strong supporting cast, but I think he's also gotten to the point where he's probably underrated.
1: I agree. I'm not very high on Cincinnati and um, Andy Dalton this year.
0: Yeah, I think there's value to be had. Um, let's just touch on Tyler Eifert because – He's actually the one I'm interested in. His cost has just come so far down, especially in Dynasty. I mean, he's 28 years old, so he's sort of over that that hump, but just barely. And obviously he has a crazy injury history, but there's no denying the upside is there, especially if he's able to play. Um, And you generally know with Eifert before the the games start whether he's playing or not, so you don't have to roll the dice in a lot of cases and say, well, is he going to play this week? Uh, So I think he's still a valuable asset to have because those games that he does play, he has a ton of upside. And he's a red zone monster, uh, and he stayed with the same team, so that obviously can't hurt from a chemistry standpoint. So they're they're not too far off in terms of cost, so I'm all over Tyler Eifert way before C.J. Uzama.
1: I I agree. I'm a Cowboys fan. I kind of wanted them to take the shot on Tyler Eifert. Sure, why not? Just for that upside. But, yeah, him if he can stay on the field, you hit the the nail on the head, he does bring a lot of fantasy value.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can probably get him as your tight end three at this point, especially in Dynasty. In
1: 2015, he played in 13 games, caught 13 touchdowns. In 2016, played in eight games, scored five touchdowns. I mean, he's a red zone monster. Absolutely. Uh
0: And unlike the next guy, Nick Boyle, he's 26 years old, so still entering his prime, but he re-signed a three-year $18 million deal with Baltimore. I would say that's probably primarily to be a blocker, especially considering they recently drafted Hayden Hurst and
1: Mark Andrews. Uh, So Nick Boyle, I don't really see any appeal there. Do you? No, none. And he was touted as the best blocking tight end, either in free agency or in the NFL, and that's his job. Yep. If only you got
0: fantasy points for blocking. One day. (laughs) I hope not. And the next guy, I would say potentially a similar move, probably low upside for fantasy perspective. Jeff Hireman re-signed a two-year, $9 million deal with Denver. Uh, He's flashed a little bit, but there's really not much to see there for me. Um, Anthony, anything you like about Jeff Hireman in Denver?
1: Yeah, I mean, he played well. But as far as anything, yeah, I mean, he had a couple really good or nice games. I wouldn't say really good, but consider consider who he had at quarterback with Case Keenum, who I'm not very high on. I think Joe Flacco is an upgrade, which is an unpopular opinion. And if Hireman can stay healthy, you know, Flacco liked to target tight ends in Baltimore, whether it was Pitta or Max Williams – or even Ben Watson that year. So I think the upside is there for Hireman, and you can get him really for nothing.
0: Yeah, I don't mind that. I mean, his cost is essentially free. He might be out there on waivers, even in decently deep dynasty leagues. You know, I think in my main 25-man league, he's probably on waivers. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind picking him up if you've got a spot. And then if it doesn't work out after a couple weeks, I would have no problem cutting him. But you could probably find better options. I think even some of the guys on this list
1: the Broncos are another team who could not take one of those young tight ends.
0: Yeah, that's another one of my concerns. They didn't really pay Hireman, so he doesn't really have any kind of protection the way I think Jesse James does just based on his contract situation. So I think that's a fair point. And next guy here, uh, former Cowboy, uh, Jeff Swain. He signed a two-year $6.6 million deal with the Jaguars. So he fills a hole there. You know, That's one thing that they didn't really have on offense. Uh, He's only 25, so plenty of years left in front of him if he can find a home that utilizes him. Anthony, anything you like about Jeff Swain? Do you think it's a decent fit with Jacksonville?
1: I think um, if there's nobody else, if they don't make a move for a tight end and Swain opens the year as a starter, I think there is some intrigue with Nick Foles.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, It's an obvious hole on the roster. Uh, Their wide receiver core is you know, murky at best. So it's certainly within the realm of possibility that Jeff Swain becomes the third target on the team and potentially even second, depending on how that receiving core shakes out. That's a very unlikely outcome, but he could definitely be, you know, third or fourth on the ta- the team in targets without too much trouble. And the next guy here, we're entering territory of probably no interest. Dwayne Allen, he's 29, so he's almost over the hump there. He signed a two-year deal with Miami for $6.5 million.
1: Any interest there? No. Yep, no, not, no, no. I like Gusecki still. I know Gusecki struggled. The reports were saying he put on some weight. He was touted as the best pass-catching tight end of the draft last year.
0: Yeah, that's a sh-
1: Yeah, and Gusecki's ADP, to me, for a for a second-year player who the jury's still loud on, is pretty low.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Gaseki is we all knew he was a horrible blocker. That was no secret. He was an, obviously a very good pass catcher, and I'm kind of guessing that hurt him with the coaches that he can't block. So in my mind, this might be more of a blocking tight end signing with Dwayne Allen. Right. And that, that if anything, might even free up Gaseki no, I agree. Next guy here, Charles Clay, the aforementioned Charles Clay, who tanked in Buffalo, signed a one-year deal with Arizona for $3.25 million. Uh, I think probably just a veteran tight end presence to help out Ricky Seals-Jones. I don't see much there. Uh, Anthony, what's your take?
1: I think they brought in Charles Clay because they can either – either they have moved on for him or, or they can from uh, Gresham. Yeah. I, I think it's replacing one with the other.
0: Yeah, and Gresham was of no interest, so for me, I'm still most interested in Ricky Seals-Jones on the team. Yeah, no interest in Charles Clay. Uh, The next guy I actually do have a little bit of interest in, Demetrius Harris. He's a 27, so right in his prime. He signed a two-year, $6 million deal with Cleveland uh, after being buried on Kansas City for the last few years. Uh, very athletic guy, basketball player in college, so he's hasn't really proved anything at all at the NFL level. But uh, I would argue the upside's there. Anthony, any interest in Demetrius Harris in the new revamped Browns offense?
1: Yes, I do. I, I think Demetrius Harris could be a gem. Uh, he was stuck behind Travis Kelsey. John Dorsey drafted him and brought him into Cleveland. David Njoku hasn't panned out. I know the upside's there, but it seems like every year people are clamoring for the, from this breakout season from David Njoku. What if it's just not there? We have seen John Dorsey kind of move on from Sashi Brown's guys and bring in his own. Hey, what if Njoku's on the trading block and ends up in New England or somewhere else and Demetrius Harris becomes their starter because Dorsey believes in him? He drafted him. I know I'm playing conspiracy theorist, but it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. And I am. And I am taking uh, Harris. Uh, I have taken him in one or two startups already.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the correct answer. You deserve a round of applause for that because I think a lot of people are overlooking Demetrius Harris. I know there are a few out there that have been touting him for a while, but uh, it's absolutely within the realm of possibilities that he gets more targets this year than David and Joku. And, that's a pretty easy narrative to spin as far as in being on the trading block. I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but Hey, I would love to see him in new England. Um, and that would free up Demetrius Harris, but on a high powered offense, which this certainly seems like it will be, uh, if he does end up being the primary tight end, as far as the passing game goes, yeah, he could finish as a tight end one. That's, that's definitely a possibility. And he's basically free. So I agree. And next guy here is Matt LaCosse. He's 26, so still in his prime as well. He signed a two-year, $2.8 million deal with the aforementioned New England Patriots. And let's cover Austin Safarian Jenkins at the same time. 26 years old as well, so still right in his prime. Signed a one-year, just under a million-dollar deal with New England as well. So New England has two new tight ends that they brought in after Rob Gronkowski retires. Um, probably one of them could be interesting. Anthony, what do you think between these two guys? And just what do you think generally about the tight end position in New England now?
1: I think it's going to be a coin flip of who emerges. Um, what we can possibly see uh, New England bring in a bunch of pads. I mean, they have a need at wide receiver and tight end. We can see them flood their, uh, their training camp uh, roster with a whole bunch. And whoever shakes out, shakes out. Uh, if I'm taking a chance on anyone, it's probably Austin Ferry, and Jenkins ahead of Lacoste, but it's not by much.
0: Another correct answer.
1: You're on fire tonight. I'm definitely on the ASJ I mean, look, train what as are Look well. the receivers they brought in. They brought in Maurice Harris. They brought in Bruce Ellington. Essentially, it's almost like the same player. Yep. It's whoever ends up winning the battle. I don't think Bill Belichick cares. Yeah. Actually, in fact, I know he doesn't care.
0: No, absolutely not. And... A lot of people might point to the contracts and say, well, Malakos got more money. But ASJ had some other concerns previously in his career, some off-the-field issues. Didn't really produce in either Jacksonville or New York. Uh, so he's, he's definitely one of those guys that I think that they realized they could get on the cheap. Upper percentile athlete. Uh, he's definitely flashed in the past and just never really gotten a full share of opportunities. So I think it's well within the realm of possibility that the target totem pole is Julian Edelman, James White, and then ASJ. I I don't think that's the most likely outcome, but if that happens at the end of the season, I wouldn't be terribly surprised by that. I think it's possible. So I'm in on ASJ because I think he's a better receiver. I think Lacoste is a decent tight end, but I think he might be used more for blocking, and I think ASJ is the guy I want for fantasy purposes.
1: Do you see New England trading up for a pass catcher?
0: If anything – I have thought long and hard about them getting TJ Hawkinson, and that makes me really happy. But New England is just not the type of team to trade up. So I would say probably not, especially in a wide receiver class that is so deep uh, without one of those really you know, clear-cut number one guys. If anything, I would see them potentially trading back and trying to get a couple of guys rather than trading up and trying to get one.
1: Yeah.
0: That's just kind of a combination of their philosophy as well as evaluating this class. Tight end is obviously very top-heavy with Hawkinson and Fant, but I think wide receiver is probably the need that they would address first.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. So,
0: All right. Well, that's all I had on my list here, Anthony. Any other tight ends you wanted to cover for free agency?
1: I think we, we pretty much got them all, no?
0: Cool. Um, so I just want to go back real quick on our lists here. Uh, are any of these guys, in your mind, screaming buys in Dynasty context, quarterbacks or tight ends? Are you trying to go out and acquire any of these guys across your Dynasty leagues?
1: If anyone, uh, maybe Jared Cook, if yeah. I can get him at the right price. Yep, I agree with that one. I have I, one other. I don't mind Eifert.
0: Ah, that's it. <laughs> Another great answer. And
1: I'm going to stick with Demetrius Harris. Demetrius Harris of, ahead of Eifert for me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah,
0: I, I'm riding this one hard. Yeah, see, I'm trying to buy Eifert before Harris because we know he's got a starting role if he's healthy, whereas Harris, we don't know that. Um, but, yeah, I agree with all those. Cook, Eifert, and Harris are the three I'm trying to buy. I'm scooping up ASJ off waivers if I can, but as far as the quarterbacks, no, I'm not really trying to buy anybody. On the flip side, is there anybody here that you saw change teams in free agency that you're trying to unload as soon as you can?
1: Um, no.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think anybody really tanked. The only one I would say is maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick for quarterbacks because that would probably be in a single quarterback league. If somebody's really needy, you can sell him on he's a starter and get something, even if it's a late-round pick, in a single quarterback league. I
1: have – I think I have – yeah, I have Foles in a two-quarterback league. It's a super flex dynasty. I have Cousins, Dak, Foles, and Keenum. I mean, I'm not trying – I don't need to get rid of him, and I don't mind him there as a as a third stringer. I mean, what is – Dak and Cousins, you know?
0: Yeah, and especially in a super flex or two quarterback, it's so important to have three players with job security. Yeah, so I, I would be holding him, and I'd have a vice grip on Foles at that point because you got to have guys with starting jobs. Otherwise, you end up with your quarterback three being somebody like – you know Tyrod Taylor last year, or Josh McCown, thinking that he might have started before Sam Darnold was ready, and some of those guys just get get their jobs taken, and so you end up with a quarterback three that doesn't have a job, and then you know Dak or Cousins is out on a buy, and you don't have anybody. So yeah, Nick Foles has a ton of value in two quarterback for that reason. All right, Anthony, thanks again for coming on. If you don't have anything else here, I think we can wrap it up.
1: Nice no, quick recap of me, yeah. free
0: agency. Uh, so, thank you guys for tuning in. We're going to try to get one more episode out this week, uh, pre draft, just to talk about some rookies. Uh, obviously, I think it's more interesting to do breakdowns after we know their landing spots because those are extremely important for fantasy purposes. Uh, so, this puts a lid on free agency. Anthony, thanks again for coming on. Uh, you guys can find Anthony over on Twitter at The Real NFL Guru. Make sure you check out his podcast, The FF Face Off. Uh, that's all on the Gridiron Experts Network, gridironexperts.com slash podcast. Check out a lot of the great work going on on the site, both dynasty and redraft purposes. We've got rookie scouting reports. We've got buys and sells. We've got free agency recaps. Pretty much all of your fantasy football needs over on the site, gridironexperts.com, on Twitter, at gridironexperts. Check out all the good work that the team's doing over there. Uh, Anthony, once again, thank you for coming on. Love to have you back sometime in the season. Anytime. And everybody else, check back in the feed later this week. We're going to try to get one rookie episode out, and then we'll be – focusing solely on rookies from here on out after the draft. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you later this week.